Singer-Songwriter-Vocalist Connie Evingson credits singing with her church choir as a child in her native Minnesota and her father's jazz record collection as giving her the inspiration to become the singer she is today. Connie draws on everything from the great jazz vocalist Sarah Vaughan, Peggy Lee, and others, but is equally smitten with Broadway show tunes, Django Reinhardt, and the Beatles. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I sang in church and school choirs from, I think, my first solo at at uh, First Lutheran Church in Hibbing, Minnesota. I was five years old. Oh, my word! And I got written up in the newspaper. It's a small town. So. Oh, that's so <laughs> you know, sweet. And, yeah. And so, anyway, I've always sung in the, in the in the church choir. My parents are still singing. They're in their 80s, and they still oh, sing. Oh, so, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And it's great training, I think. Oh, Don't yeah. you? Very Singing much. in a choir? Yes, it teaches you blend and mm. uh, pitch, you know, and vocal control, and depend, depending on, you know, how, how skilled your conductor or director is. Yeah. And in Minnesota, where I grew up uh, in those years, um, the most of the schools had a choir, and a lot of the teachers were coming out of these schools, like St. Olaf, Concordia, that had very strong choral traditions. So they ha- they were well-trained, and if you sang in one of these choirs, you would get some good basic vocal training on breathing, pitch, you know, vocal production, all that kind of stuff. So I really, I had some voice lessons when I was about 12, 13. My, someone told my mother, oh, she should study classically. And I did briefly, but I didn't really love it. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Actually singing classical, classical music. Classical music. Um, did it help you in terms of technique, do you think? Not really. In fact, it, I felt pinched. Oh, no, <laughs> I felt like really... I was really constricting. And so I kind of just didn't, it didn't feel natural. So I just went back to singing in, in choirs. You and, felt, yeah. expand on that because that's fascinating to me because yeah. so many people, especially well, we talked a bit before we started with this off mic that I've been working on different issues vocally. So usually you think that the te- technique kind of lessons yeah. are going to help. But talk about that. Well, maybe this teacher who I had, and it was when I lived in Duluth. We, I was born in Hibbing. Then my family moved to Duluth when I was 10. Then they moved to Minneapolis when I was 16. So in Duluth, uh, this teacher who I had, we see, it seemed that we concentrated more on repertoire. And she didn't do a lot of technique. Um, and so I don't know why. Maybe it was just the sense I had about classical music that it needed to be a certain way. I just mm. felt tight, you know. And yeah, yeah. I had grown up from a very early age listening to jazz and really free singers, you know, like Sarah Vaughan and Ella Fitzgerald, where everything felt really natural and and you know a more natural kind of tone and. I guess I don't know what happened, but today I love, you know, running, like sometimes I'll listen to a classical singer and, and I, you know, even though I say I felt tight and I didn't like the style, singing the style, I so admire that those singers. And Mm. I I mean, it's amazing vocal production. And when I listen, sometimes I'll imitate and I think, you know, it's fun to make those sounds, but I have a totally different feeling about it. All I want is a room somewhere far far away from the cold night air with one big fat enormous chair oh wouldn't that be lovely 
lots of My guest, Connie Evingson, on Wouldn't It Be Loverly, from her CD, I Have Dreamed. Connie was a jazz fan from an early age, but didn't take a straight path to a music career. I started as a music major. Um, I had kind of a little detour in the latter part of my high school years when we moved to Minneapolis. Um, The concert choir was already full because they had done the auditions in the spring and we moved in the fall. So they said, there's no place for you. And so I just said, okay, I'm going to take dance and photography in this alternative arts high school for a while. (laughs) So I didn't sing in my junior or senior years in high school. When it came time to go to college, I, you know, I had to focus on something and it was odd. I hadn't been singing, but music seemed like the only thing to that I should be focused on. It was odd because I didn't have an instrument, you know. (laughs) But I was sort of grace of God that I just was, well, this has always been kind of, you know, what else means anything to me? I wasn't a math head or I wasn't, you know, I I was very much into dance, but um, they didn't have a strong dance department at the University of Minnesota. Anyway, uh, I did study for my first year and I caught up with, you know, music theory and and I loved it, but it was a very competitive department, and there was no jazz offered at the University of Minnesota, other than some uh, two-credit ensembles, you know, that would get together. And I did sing with them. I'd sit in with them. Um, but you couldn't study jazz there. And I just said, you know, I'm not going to make it through this program because the I don't have, there's you know, there's no place for me. I'm not going to study either to be a teacher or a classical performer. Mm-hmm. Those were the only options that they really talked about, and to this day... Were you singing in groups yet? Had you done that? Because you said you didn't sing in high school. And I'm always interested in that because so many of the men musicians mm-hmm. I know started very early. And people will ask me about that. And I think it's a little more difficult for a 13-year-old girl 
to go out and be in a band and hang out where mm -hmm. guys can do that. They'll be yeah. in a rock band. You know, they get started a little sooner mm -hmm. in a way that I think is an advantage. So you were listening to jazz early, but when did you get to mm. get out there and start singing? Because now mm -hmm. in college, you're deciding this isn't for me. Yeah. That study. How did you go yeah. from there? Well, you know, I had performed from a very early age. Um, but that besides, was the choir. Yeah, the choir. And also I had done some musicals. We had, had um, as a child actor in like The King and I and et cetera. So I, and actually in Hibbing, Minnesota, it's interesting. There's a, the high school there is on the National Register of Historic Places. Long story about why that happened. It has having to do with the being in the mining town, U.S. Steel putting a lot of money in. You can look it up on Google. <laughs> I, I wouldn't take our time telling that story, but it's really interesting. If you ever go, you should see that place. Mm -hmm. And they have a fabulous theater. It's like it's patterned after what used to be the Capitol Theater in New York, Jewel Box, major. It seats 2,000 people. And they would do really impressive productions there. They hired a very uh, ambitious theater director. He would do all the first-run Broadway shows. So I was exposed to theater in this little town, you know, at an early age. So I kind of was on that track. Then we moved to Duluth. I still did some musicals, etc. I never sang in a band. I was interested in the music of our generation, you know, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Joni Mitchell and all those people. But I... No, I really never had the desire to sing in that kind of band. Jazz was still my favorite music. And I always wanted to be like Sarah Vaughan or Ella Fitzgerald or, or, you know, lots of Peggy Lee, a lot of people like that. Mm. Um, but that seemed impossible because music wasn't really going in that direction. However, those people were still working. It used to take a farmer a day to get to town. Now it takes a minute till his plane comes down Cause everything is moving too fast Everything is moving too fast You better save your money Cause everything is moving too fast You used to eat your spinach Now you never will Because you think it's modern To take it in a pill Cause everything is moving too fast Everything is moving too fast you better save your money cause everything is moving too fast When I went to the University of Minnesota, there were a few jazz clubs. Um, it took me a little while to get back into singing. And one of the ways was that I saw, an, uh, there was an audition for a vocal jazz group, ensemble. I did audition for them. I, st I became a soloist with them, and that got me going. And then I started doing club gigs, mm. and so it just kind of, you know, I found my way back. Even though, uh, even though I will, at the time, I said, um, you know, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I can't resist it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. You probably yeah. shouldn't be doing it because oh, because it's be a hard, hard life. Yeah, and you know, and you were aware of that. <clears throat> I was in yeah, oh yeah, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. This was the early '80s. There weren't any new artists being signed. Well, it's so and, interesting that you think it because I'm comparing my thing of getting into it myself. And somehow I never thought of that. <laughs> so, Good for you. Well, no, but it's, it's interesting because people were always saying it to me. Oh. I specifically remember I was 19 and I had a job playing ragtime. And a man said, enjoy this now because your audience is dying. Oh, yeah. They're and still said, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it was so funny. He said it to me when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I... 
I was always working hard, but I wasn't necessarily thinking big picture at 19. You oh, know, yeah. I was just thinking, I really like this and I want to play it. I think it's, at least for me, it was later in my, tw my late 20s when I started thinking, I'm never going to make a living in this. <laughs> vocalist Connie Evingson on Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea with the John Jorgensen Quintet. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Connie feels a great affinity for the music of guitarist Django Reinhardt. With the Django thing, um, it's interesting. You know, it's the John Jorgensen Quintet who's on the recent CD called All the Cats Join In. And uh, Simon Planting is the, do you know Simon, the, the bass player with John's group? Uh, when I first sat in with them, they came to Minneapolis, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, and I had made one CD in this style, it was called Gypsy in My Soul. And I did some of those, I think I'm Confessing, and you know, some of the kind of classic things that Django used to do. And um, I sat in with them and Simon said, you really seem to have a, an affinity for this. And I said, I don't know. I, it's, I'm unconscious of it. It just seemed to fit. It did fit really well right away. I don't know why. Something clicked for me. Um, and, so, and yeah, who knows? Um, but anyway, about putting the, the recent CD together, and the, I basically had a running list going for a couple years of things I thought you know, would work in this style. And a lot of times it's not analytical. It's just a sense, a feeling. I'll, I'll think of the tune and, and kind of sing it through in some way that fits some of the typical gypsy feels and go, yeah, that could work, and then I just jot it down. <laughs> so uh, at a certain point when John and I started talking about making a CD, I just sent him the list, and I said, you know, are there any tunes on here that appeal to you? And I had some Beatles on there. And I he's always, a huge Beatles fan. He's a fan. huge Beatles fan. <laughs> All of the CDs um, in the Django style have a contemporary tune. Like there's on the first one, there's a song called Until that was written by Sting. And it's in a movie with, of the title, which I always forget. But anyway, um, and the reason, part of the reason I did that is I like to mess with, you know, to reinterpret things and hear them in a new way. Um, and Django did that. You know, I mean, he had, he wasn't strict about, uh, you know, what, what should be done in his style. He was very adventurous, and, and I think if he had lived in, into the 60s, he probably would have played a Beatles tune in some, somehow, I'm guessing, maybe, because uh, he evolved a lot in his short life. You know, I think he died at 42. He was born in 1910 and died in 1952. Um, but he had progressed into, um, you know, playing an electric guitar and was, you know, 
um, very adventurous. He liked to play with, um, uh, mess around with classical music and etc. So I think he would have gone into the bebop, actually, maybe. He started, he was kind of on the edge of that, the verge of it, because um, he really dug Dizzy Gillespie, etc. So anyway, I have never had, you know, been a purist about it, and, and I've been criticized. <laughs> a few people say, well, it's not really a gypsy record, because she has a Beatles song on there. Really? Sorry, you can't appreciate it, but that's okay. You know, some people, yeah, they, <laughs> they really, they, they think things should be, you know, strictly that way. But... I don't know. I just, uh, John, and John is such a musician, John Jorgensen, um, he knew exactly what to do with it, you know. Uh, and we, we recorded that record in like two weeks, or I mean two days. <laughs> they came to town. They were, we went into the studio for two days. Then we did some refining over, you know, the next year or two, uh, adding, layering on some solos, and, and I suggested a few other tunes. Actually, Moonlight was one of them. I talked John into at the very last minute the song that um, Sting recorded for uh, the movie Sabrina. Um, so anyway, yeah, I like to um, sometimes just uh, you know hear things in a new way. I mm-hmm. think there's a fine line there where sometimes it, things can sound forced. That where you, it's almost like you know somebody decided, oh, let's turn this upside down and inside out, and and maybe it doesn't work so great, or it just sounds like it was a little too much of an effort. And I always have to, you know, check myself on that. I'm saying, oh, no, okay, is this a, is this an honest musical, you know, effort here, and mm. or, or not even effort isn't the right word, but is this a, an honest musical impulse, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to make when it becomes an effort, then you kind of go, eh, I don't know, if you know, or really trying too hard on this to make it into something, maybe it isn't supposed to be, but if it starts to take shape and feels good, then I feel like, yeah. One day you'll look to see I've gone For tomorrow may rain so I'll follow the sun Someday you'll know I was the one But tomorrow may rain so
talk about Sarah and some of it because you brought me one of your favorite Sarah recordings. Yes. Well, Sarah Vaughn, um, I don't. I must have thirty-five or forty, you know, records of hers. I, I, and I, there was a period where I listened to almost only Sarah because that voice is so divine. You can just wallow in that thing. I mean, she had that incredible instrument, and um, I just loved her. She's so musical. You know, a lot of my favorite singers are singers who play piano. And, you know, yeah, like you. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mean my face. Yeah. Like, no, no one serious. Here, we're on radio. Yeah. I was pointing, I was going, me too, meaning my favorite singers play piano. But I'm including you. No, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Because I, it's, um, you know, Sarah Vaughn, uh, Carmen McRae, yeah. Shirley Horn, yeah. uh, Diana Krall I love, you know, um, yeah. And, you know, men, awesome. men too, yeah. Nat King Cole, Freddie yeah. Cole, Judy Carmichael, people who it's it, because it melds together the time and the note choices because, you know, harmony. I really love that. And so um, that was something I loved about Sarah. You know, her note choices were so hip and and she was part of the band. She was, you know, even as a singer, even even, even when she's not playing piano, which she didn't do a lot when she recorded anyway. She was an instrumentalist, and they you could tell they all really respected her as a, a musician. And, um, you know, so besides that glorious voice, uh, the musicianship and her just hipness and style, and I just idolized her. I don't sound anything like her, um, you know, and but she did influence me in a lot of ways. I mad at you, pretty baby, don't be mad at me. Crazy Joe Benjamin Sawa we do, 
Sarah Vaughn on Shulia Bop. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis. Eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970 on the web at jazztimes.com. My guest is vocalist Connie Evingson. Talk about anthropology. I love your lyric. Oh, thank you. Of course, you. as another woman, I especially yes. loved it. It was great. <laughs> no, talk about putting this together because I thought it was okay. great. And then please do talk a bit about how one prepares to sing like that oh, and, or yeah. carries that off. So yeah. talk about that. Okay. Um, the anthropology thing, uh, I heard Sheila Jordan's um, recording of this. I think it's on Lost and Found, and I can't remember if that is one. You know, she did several recordings with just uh, the bass player. Um, but no, this is, I think, with a trio. Anyway, uh, I thought her scat solo on it was so hip, I kept listening to it, you know, and just kind of going, wow, that is just great. And then finally, I realized, oh, I know the solo now. I've listened to it so many times, I can sing it. So I, I, I just thought, um, I, I grew up listening to Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross and just always loved what they did. And so I was aware of this idea that, of writing, instru- or, uh, writing lyrics to instrumental solos. I was aware of that from a young age and, and always really admired John Hendricks. I thought he is, and I still think he's amazing. Just so a, a great singer, a great soul, a really good writer, great lyricist, very smart. And... Um, the thing I loved vocalese, and I thought, you know, so many vocalese lyrics are usually about, um, if they're about an instrumentalist, and, and they sometimes are. I can't think of any right off the top of my head, but um, they're usually extolling the virtues of Johnny Hodges or you know whoever. Um, 
And I thought, how come there's never one about a woman and a, <laughs> like a singer, for, for instance? I guess I never, you know, as I'm telling the story, it probably occurred to me a lot faster and a lot more unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I like this Sheila Jordan solo. I'm going to write some lyrics to it. And at the time, I was um, doing a lot of vocalese, singing with a group called More by Four, which is a little bit like Manhattan Transfer, Lambert Hendricks and Ross. We did a lot of their charts and a lot of original charts that were written for us by the leader, Sanford Moore. So I was in a vocalese sort of period, you know, decade or whatever. And so that idea came to me fairly quickly and easily, and I just started writing and as far as how to sing vocalese and how you prepare to do that, there is kind of a technique, which is, you know, it's like being an instrumentalist, too. When you're doing a hard passage, you do it slowly, and you slowly speed it up, and pretty soon it's in your fingers, and you can do it fast. And it's kind of the same thing with, oh, with, with the singing. You have to, um, especially syllables, um, you know, there's going to be, if you're spitting words out really fast and doing difficult intervals, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all pretty athletic, mm-hmm. you've got to kind of get it in your lips, teeth, and tip of the tongue, as they say, you oh, know, that whole articulation thing, and figure out where you're going to breathe, because a lot of times, you know... There isn't anywhere there to isn't, breathe. No, and it's not working with the phrasing of that's written right. for the lyric, so you've got to figure that out. Um, but once you, you know, kind of get it down, um, and it does take a while, you know, to, um, to do those. When I listen to Lambert Hendricks and Ross to this day... And I have never asked John Hendricks this question um, about how they did it. Mm. Um, but some of those that like cloudburst, yeah. there are some phrases in there that I still can't imitate. You know? No, but <laughs> like, it's how did they do that? No, it's it, fascinating yeah. to hear you say it because that wouldn't have occurred to me. And it's logical that you slow it down yeah. like a line mm-hmm. and, and practice it like that. Yeah. Because not only was it incredibly musical, and wonderful. You made it seem extremely easy, but I could understand every single word. Ah, and good. very often you can't, as you know, when yeah, yeah. people do that. Mm-hmm. That's what goes out the window. That seems the last thing they can do, and you're holding your breath with them, but not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what was that? Well, yeah. No. Well, thank you. I that's appreciate interesting, that. but it's interesting to hear that that's how you do it. She is not afraid to go. Where even angels feel the church, she spreads her wings. 
stand where the music goes, she'll follow. She is a bird so rare. Be bopping on thin air. And if you are willing, she'll take you there where the air is rarefied. That's where you'll see just a free ever can be. That's where birds of a feather they are flying high together, flying high in harmony. Birds of great diversity. Diversity is the key. Anthropology. Connie Evanson on Anthropology. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Connie about her recording of Sweet Happy Life. Sweet Happy Life, otherwise known as Samba Giorfeu, which was, you know, an instrumental tune, uh, Louis Bonfa, right? Um, uh, is heard at the end of the movie, Black Orpheus, as, you know, the children are laughing and playing on the hill. And Norman Gimbel, um, who was the lyricist who wrote um, The Girl from Ipanema, Killing Me Softly with his song, um, he wrote the English language lyric and and therefore the, the title, Sweet Happy Life. Um, I heard Peggy Lee's version of this. Actually, Target used it for a commercial for uh, their bridal registry called Club Wed. I don't think they have, I don't know if they have that anymore. But anyway, um, I heard it in the other room and uh, and I, of course, recognized Peggy's voice, and I'm like, it's Peggy Lee, and I know that melody, what? And realized, oh, yeah, it's the song that I hear, you know, the band's always doing as an instrumental. And it was right around the time I was starting to investigate Norman Gimbel, because uh, it's a long story how that happened, but um, I, just, I had decided, uh, Sweet Happy Life, <laughs> three tunes led me to Nor- Norman Gimbel, all separately, and when, once I got to three, I realized, okay, there's something going on here. I, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to do something about meeting Norman Gimbel. Well, the f- first one was Sway. I heard, um, I heard Dean Martin's version of Sway, and I thought, why don't I know this song? Like, what a great tune! It was before Michael Bublé's version and the, and the Pussycat Dolls and all the <laughs> Sway had its revival somehow, you know. Anyway. Um, then it was Sweet Happy Life. And the last one was um, So Nice, otherwise known as Summer Samba. So Sweet Happy Life, it just has that really, you know, uplifting kind of melody. And he wrote such a nice lyric um, for it. It's, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, and I love the title. And, you know, I just, when I had decided to do this record of all Norman Gimbel lyrics, I thought, oh, the title has to be Sweet Happy Life because... It's just so appealing, and um, so that's kind of how it came to be. My wish for you, sweet happy life. May all the days of the years that you live be laughing days. With all my heart, sweet happy life. And may the night times that follow the days be dancing nights. My wish for you. May all your sorrows be gone and your heart begin to sing And if a wish can make it be I wish you'd spend every day of your happy life with me Stars for your smile, moons for your hair And someone's wonderful love for your loving heart to share My wish for you, oh sweet happy life May all your sorrows be gone and your heart begin to sing And if a wish can make it be I wish you'd spend every day of your happy life with me Talk 
about Dave Frischberg. Oh, Dave Frischberg. I love him. I love Dave, too. He's so wonderful. Well, he's from uh, my neck of the woods. He's born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, a sister city of Minneapolis, where I live. And um, I was always a fan of Dave's. I can't remember when I first heard uh, either I'm Hip or My Attorney Birdie. It was in the 70s or 80s, I suppose, um, probably 80s. And... Um, Anyway, I just thought he was so clever and witty and hilarious. I would be laughing out loud when I heard these songs on the radio. and you know, ran out and bought the record and um, just always really admired him. And then uh, at a certain point, I started working with a saxophone player who I still work with a lot in Minneapolis, Dave Carr. And one day we're talking and come to find out Dave Carr went to school. He knew Dave Frischberg at the University of Minnesota and they used to play together And before Dave Frischberg moved to New York. And so I was like, really? Tell me more, you know. Well, uh, so Dave told me, oh yeah. And, uh, and in fact, um, evidently they were playing my Peggy Lee record out in Portland, Oregon. And Frischberg heard it because he lives in Portland on the radio and he recognized Dave Carr's playing on a, <laughs> a solo on one of the tunes. I mean, that's how, you know, good his ear is and that's how much he, how well he knows Dave Carr. And I guess that's also how recognizable Dave's sound is. Anyway, um, so Frischberg said, oh, hey, Dave, I heard you on Connie's uh, record. And, and Dave Carr said, somehow Dave Carr got us together. He introduced us and um, I had always wanted to do a record of Frischberg's songs. So... Um, as it turned out, Dave Frischberg was up for playing piano on the record, and Dave Carr was available, so we got got it all together and, and recorded the record in Minneapolis. It was so hard to choose tunes because there's so many of them. Um, Must have been fun having him accompany you because oh, was, he, he loves singers. He's a singer himself. Yes. So you've got all that wonderful... Very, I, uh, very intimidating, though, in a way, because no one can sing a Frischberg song like Dave himself. You know, and See, I love his singing. I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. say that because I, he's one of those, he's got such a goofy voice and it's perfect. So idiosyncratic to what, I mean, because he wrote it, he's playing, it's, it's him. So, I mean, the, the, you know, Blossom Derry also does a wonderful job with his stuff. That's you know. true. But I think <laughs> but, you do. Oh, I thank love you. this thank CD. You. And I have to tell you just because we're talking about Dave's playing, I came to Dave from his playing. Ah, this is an interesting story. Oh, he's a great, story. great pianist. Well, because yeah. someone, I was doing a gig with somebody that he had worked with, and I was just attempting to improvise. I was really ah. coming out of ragtime and getting into stride, but doing mainly set pieces. And nobody knew what I was doing, and nobody particularly liked it, <laughs> but this bass player did. And he heard that I was trying to do something different than the typical kind of stride. I wasn't just trying to imitate Fats Waller uh -huh. or whatever. And he said, you've got to meet Dave Frischberg. And it was interesting because it's a funny story because I went back to LA. This was up near San Francisco where I was working. I went back to LA, called Dave, said so-and-so had recommended that I come over and get a piano lesson. Dave had me, he said, hmm. well, I'm not really a stride player. But I went over to spend the afternoon. Wow. And he had just put out a, a record with Al Cohn called Getting Some Fun Out of Life. Oh, and yeah. it was all instrumental. Mm -hmm. But it was Dave's interesting way of approaching Stride, uh -huh. which really inspired me. Oh, cool. So I really came at it with this whole thing. And what makes it so funny is I went back to work. I was working at Disneyland at the time and told all the guys. I said, I've met this great guy that you guys should know about. 
Dave Frischberg. And they all looked at me like I was out of my mind because, of course, they all, they Dave knew. was already famous. Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and they were all saying, why did Judy get to spend the afternoon with Dave Frischberg? You know, and I had Because no you asked. Yeah. <laughs> because I asked. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I want to be a side man, just an ordinary side man. I go along for the ride, man, responsibility free. I want to fill behind the vocal, the double out flute, and jam on the blues. I want to go and join the local, buy a dark suit and start paying dues. I want to maintain my book in neatly numbered order. I want to listen to Lester Young on my recorder. I want to play while the people dance. I want to press my own coat and pants. I want to ask for an advance. I want to be a side man. side man, just a highly qualified man, a professional pride man, old indispensable me. I can cut whatever comes up, and fake and transpose and won't make a fuss. I want to set the vibes and drums up, sight read the shows and sleep on the bus. I want to spend all my time with music and musicians. I want to go out and grab a smoke on intermissions. I want to sleep in the afternoons and let the leader call all the tunes. I want to be young. I want to have fun. I want to be a side man. I want to work for a superstar. I want to hang in the hotel bar. I want to be young. I want to have fun. I want you to be a side man. You're a fellow Tony Bennett fan, and you happen to bring a track that I know that huh. for me is really emotional, and I don't even know why. So talk about this, because yes. you love this too. Yeah. It's from that Basie and Bennett. Um, I think that album has been released with different names several times, but it's it's all with, you know, Count Basie Band. This was one of the, you know, handful of records that I would play constantly as a child. Um, and I don't know why, well, partly the his, the tonality of his voice, that bel canto thing, just, you know, I just loved that sound, that clear bell sound. And he was so sincere in his voice. And there's just, there's something about it to this day. When I hear Tony's voice, it just kind of gets me in my heart. Um, 
and that particular song, it's um, from My Fair Lady. I think, because when, when I listened to it again recently, I think the changes um, that are written in that arrangement um, are very sentimental. There's something about the changes that also, maybe that's why you feel a little heart-tugging when you hear that particular track. Um, I, I don't know why, but I'm kind of thinking that's partly, and of course, Tony's reading of it. I've grown accustomed to her face She almost makes the day begin I've grown accustomed to the tune She whistles night and noon Her smile Her frowns, her ups, her downs Are second nature to me now Like breathing out and breathing in I was serenely independent And content before we met Truly I could always be that way Again and yet I've grown accustomed to her looks Accustomed to her voice Accustomed to her face church on time. Oh, now, yeah. <laughs> this was inspired. I, I started, I have to tell you, I started laughing when I, <laughs> good, when, I heard, when I heard the beginning of it. So you need to describe this because it's so different. And I, my father sang and did Civic Light Opera, and this was one of his tunes. And oh, he was okay. very funny. He was sort of a Robert Preston yes. kind of singer. Okay. And was great at a funny tune and that kind of thing, like he'd do trouble and yes. that kind of thing. Character songs, yeah. Character songs. Right. So I could, I knew all of those. So 
that tune I really know well in my head. Yeah. But I have that image of it. And then hearing you do it this way, you have to talk about it. I just, <laughs> what, whatever, what were you thinking? I know. I, you know what? It's from my first record, and I recorded in 1995, it's, which was all jazz versions of Broadway show tunes. And, um, you know, the reason I, I mentioned this earlier, I grew up listening to my jazz, my father's jazz record collection, but also some show tunes. And at one point I realized, oh, there's a crossover here. A lot of Broadway show tunes are the repertoire of jazz musicians. And um, so I do not know where the idea of this song, where, why I thought that... <laughs> This Get Me to the Church on Time should be sung or done like a New Orleans funeral, <laughs> where it would start out as a dirge and then end up like a party. I don't know. I can't remember how I came up with it. Well, it's I, so brilliant, too, because it's a woman <laughs> yeah. doing it. I know. And it's always yeah. some guy singing this Yes, who's get me to the church because I'm probably going to be partying too much to get there. Right. And, the whole, and here you and are. And I'm not the marrying kind, and you know, or he's resisting in some right. way. And you don't usually hear a woman resisting you know, no. getting married. Oh, well, you know, we're talking, this is... A song that's of another era, but still, but, and, and, it, <laughs> and it's just so musical. But I, I loved your whole take on it. Oh, thank you. It was fun to do. I, I, again, I might have been in. Most of my ideas come either in the car or in the shower. And you know why? I think I've mm. thought of this. I think it's because we're busy doing something. Mm. We're occupied. Um, we can't be answering the phone. We can't be cooking dinner. We can't be making, you know, answering email. Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing something. We're either taking a shower or driving. Yeah. So we're captive and our minds are free to kind of wander. Mm -hmm. And so I might have, I, many of my ideas have come to me in the shower or, or driving. And I kind of remember being out in the car and somehow I started thinking of this. I'm getting married in the morning Ding dong, the bells are gonna chime Pull out the stopper Let's have ourselves a whopper Get me, get me to the church on time I've got to be there i got to be there in the morning Looking in my prime Fellas, come on and kiss me Show me how you're gonna miss me If I'm dancing Roll up the floor
if I'm whistling. Whisk me out the door because I'm getting married in the morning. Ding dong, the bells are gonna chime. Kick up our office, but don't lose that compass. Get me to the church. Get me to the church For Pete's sake Get me to the church On time So I have my sources <laughs> I this, bet you this do This <laughs> show is I don't want people to think that I, I think of James Lipton and uh, the actor's studio, and he always has his surprise question. And I want you to know it's not just about New York with me. I have my sources in Minnesota, as I have told you. <laughs> and I have been instructed to ask you about the circus. <laughs> I can't believe this. So I'm waiting for what the answer where, is. Where did you get that? You can I, tell no, me I later. Can, yes, I can't. No, I, I can't, can't reveal my sources. <laughs> well, the circus, actually, that is a funny story. And uh, I had a great time singing for the Shrine Circus for a number of years in St. Paul. They would come to St. Paul. Uh, it was, um, the producer was, it was like an Atlantic City, you know, longtime family pr production company that had done the circus for many years. And, um, and the two band directors were jazz players from Pittsburgh. I forget their names now, but um, they were they had been playing, you know, bebop and all kinds of stuff. You know, they were longtime jazz players. And they would pick up musicians when the, in different towns. So um, the contractor in St. Paul, who um, would contract the other musicians, called me one year and said, uh, there's a, the ringmaster with the, with the circus has been doing the anthem at the beginning, and the producer really can't stand it. Can you come and sing the anthem for the circus, the national anthem? I said, sure. Uh, how many shows? He said, 10 shows in four days. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, well, what does it pay? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and it's an easy tune, too, that isn't yeah, going to be. Right. Yeah, right. I thought, well, this is kind of, sounds kind of interesting. I'm never, I was never a fan of the circus, but I thought, but I heard was who was in the band, and they were all first call jazz players. Oh, wow. So I thought, well, I got to find out what this is about. That's kind of interesting. So I agreed to do the job, and um, it was hilarious. The ringmaster would introduce me in every show. He could never get my name right, so he'd make up. And now, ladies and gentlemen, and the drama would roll, and then he'd say, and now, Bonnie Stevenson, you know, <laughs> and now, Honey Cunningham. You know, and oh, it was one thing no. after another. We were laughing hysterically. But anyway, I, I, um, they, I sang the anthem, and the, the guys knew that I was a jazz singer because the musicians told the leaders, and so they started pulling me in on other songs. And um, and and some of them not, weren't even jazz songs. I remember one of them was 
uh, and I will always love you, you know, the, the Dolly Parton thing. Um, and I was kind of having a ball. I thought, well, this is fun because of great players. And, um, and they were so hip for, for like, for the, um, high wire act, they would play Chick Corea's The Aerialist. Is it, or is it called The Aerialist? Or the, I think so. High wire or something. They'd play a dizzy atmosphere for some of the stuff, for the juggling. And it was really hip. So I hung with it. You know, they'd call me every year then. <laughs> And it was grueling. It was grueling. Ten shows in four days, and you're wow. in. And it would always be in April, where you know things are just starting to kind of um, warm up, and the sun is shining in Minnesota. You do not want to be in a dark place for four days. But I would do it because it was kind of fun. Thank you so much oh, for doing you. this. I feel like I've met a soul sister. Yes, yes. I'm we have really so much more to talk about in the future. I look I know. forward to it. To be continued. To yeah, be continued. thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to vocalist Connie Evingson. I hope you join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and Sons and Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. Additional support is provided by the American Hotel in Sag Harbor, New York. Learn more at theamericanhotel.com. And special thanks to our webmaster, Megan Lewis, and to Jamie Roach for additional production assistance. 